Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. That's where we will get to here. Let me quickly go through a review. We've been talking about Christian pitfalls. The first one is the pitfall of lust. We've uh, commented several things about this over the last couple of weeks. We find what is lust. And lust is longing for those forbidden desires, those things that God doesn't want us to have, but our flesh wants to have them. And uh, then we noted what lust uh, will lead to. It leads to conflict. There's this battle that goes on inside. It's against us. Lust is not for us. It's against us. It leads to pain. It leads to sin. It leads to death. And then uh, we also looked last week at uh, whose fault is it? And we like to blame other people. We like to blame temptation. We like to blame the devil. But really, uh, it's our own fault because the Bible uh, there in uh, James talks about that it's uh, our own lust. And it's what leads us away. And every person has their own lust, their own longings. Yeah, I know it's sinful, corrupt flesh that wants it, but that's what we have. We have each have a, a, a unique, sinful, cor- sinfully corrupt flesh that longs for sin, and we have to acknowledge that and, and not make excuses for what we do. They can't blame temptation. And we noted, how come some people can be tempted by it and not yield to it, and other people are tempted by it and do yield to it? And why do sometimes we... Uh, even when we're tempted, we don't yield. And then maybe another day when we're tempted, we do yield. It's simply because we've allowed our lusts to have uh, control and to yield to that. And so today I want to talk, uh, point number four, if you have your outline, is um, how do we overcome lust? And we kind of hinted along that, uh, those lines last week. But I want to uh, begin here in Second Peter chapter 1. So how do we overcome lust? And before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the clarity of it. Lord, we ask that we'll get some help, some strength, some encouragement. We go from here a little more prepared to do battle against the the flesh, against uh, the lusts that are warring against our soul. They're not for us, they're against us. And our, our flesh and our lust, they lie to us. They tell us that we'll be happy and satisfied when we yield. And we're not. We're not happy. We're not satisfied. And fulfilling the lust just leads to uh, more desire to fulfill more lust. And nothing ever fully satisfies. But Lord, thankful. we're thankful that you do satisfy. And that we can have great peace in our heart when we just follow your word and stop fighting against you against your will. I pray that we'll have some uh, victories in our lives, in our church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do we overcome lust? First of all, uh, we partake of God's word. So it always goes back to the Bible and prayer and all that. It sure does. We see here in another verse that helps us with this, 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll read a couple of verses here. Let's just start there in verse number one, put it all in context, and we'll get down there to verse number four. Simon Peter, servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you uh, through the knowledge of God and 
of, our, of Jesus, our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I like that part where it says, the divine power hath given unto us all things. And people like to claim parts of verses. Well, God promised to give me all things. Yeah, but continue that. It says that pertain unto life and godliness. All things that pertain to uh, having a good godly life. He hasn't promised you every worldly pleasure and every worldly good that's out there. And people like to, again, claim those p- parts of verses that apply to what they want it to and not put it into context. Then we get to verse number four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that's referring to God's word, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So God's word, by partaking of God's word and his promises... Those promises, his word empowers us and it allows us to partake of the divine nature. So what's that mean? Well, remember, we've talked in the past, not too long ago. When we get saved, we get a new nature. It's talking about the divine nature that, that's inside of us. All things are become new. Remember those verses? And uh, these, God's promises help us to, instead of yielding to the corrupt um, old nature, we can partake of the divine nature. So we need to feed the divine nature with God's word rather than feeding the corrupt nature with sin and lust and temptation. So really, it's a matter of, of, of who you feed. You've got an old nature. If you're saved, you've got an old nature and you've got a new nature. And when we yield to our flesh, we're going to fulfill those lusts. We're going to... Um, we're yielding to the corrupt uh, old nature. God doesn't want us to walk in the old nature. He wants us to walk in the new nature. And the, the promises of God, that's why we need to be in the Bible every day. And not just in the Bible and say, I read it. But in the Bible, looking at it and trying to apply it to our lives and believing it. And yielding to it. And taking steps to follow it. When we do that, that's when we start having victory. We can, as it, say, as it says here, escape the corruption uh, that's in the world. See, the, the corruption uh, that lust brings uh, can be escaped as we take heed to God's word. God's word says this, I will yield to that instead of yielding to my sinful passions. Our flesh wants to be bad. Our flesh wants to sin. It wants to give in. It wants to yield. If you've you got a, uh, a propensity to to get angry, you want to yield to that, you want to lose your temper, you want to let someone have it, you want to give them some choice words. Some people, they want to yield to the flesh that worldly music gives, offers them. Some people want to yield to the flesh of, of um, gossiping, of coveting, whatever it is. And God's word counters that and says, no, thou shalt not covet. Abstain from worldly lusts that war against the soul. And see, his word counters all of these lusts and all of these longings and all these desires and passions for things that are forbidden. And we have to say, okay, I will yield to what God says and I will escape the corruption. We already saw, uh, last week we talked about 
what it leads to. It leads to all those horrible things. It, it hurts us. It brings conflict and pain and suffering and, and death and further sin. And so lust isn't for us. It's against us. And when we yield to it, it, it hurts us. And God allows us to escape that corruption through his word. And John 15, 3 says, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So we, we continually cleanse our minds and our hearts through God's word. It's, it's, yes, we need to have devotions, but it's more than just having our devotions. It's coming to his words. I need help. I need strength. I need guidance. I need direction. I need victory. Coming to it, looking for it, longing for it, expecting it, and God gives it to us. You ever get desperate? See, that's the point. We don't get desperate. So we can escape the corruption, but if you ignore the truths that are in the Bible... You won't escape. You'll fall into the pitfall. You'll be trapped in that sin, in that lust. And you, will, and, you and I will experience those, uh, those consequences, right? The, the, the consequences of, of conflict, warring against us, the pain. Remember, Lot, that righteous man, he vexed his righteous soul. From day to day, with their unlawful deeds, with those forbidden lusts, he vexed his soul. That word vexed, remember, it meant to torture. He's torturing himself. So get this whole idea out of your, out of your head, which is hard because the flesh lies to us, that if I yield to this, I will be happy. I want it. I'll take it. It'll make me feel good. Maybe for a short time, but it'll... It'll torture you. It'll hurt you. It'll disturb you. So we need to have victory. We can have victory. And that's as we partake of God's word. We feed the divine nature. We, we allow the spirit of God to have the, the, the sword of the spirit to slay those lusts. But when we neglect the Bible... We're going to yield to the sins and the corruption that come along with it. It's not rocket science. It's actually kind of simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> it is difficult, but it's simple. All right. So that's why we need to keep hearing what God says until we apply it and put it to practice. Let me give you the second one. Uh, and these are, again, simple First one, partake of God's word. Second one is yield to God's spirit. And we can turn to Galatians chapter 5 for that. Galatians chapter 5. You said, didn't you talk about that in the last series? I sure did. So why are you talking about it again? Because it's still practical and it's still applicable. And I'll come at it a little different angle here, but I won't stay too long with this. Because we have a couple other points we want to touch on so we can finish up uh, this lesson today. No, we want to yield to God's spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So as we're yielding to the divine nature, we're not going to be yielding to the old nature. You can't do both at the same time. So we need to follow God's desires. We have a flesh that has, uh, it likes bad things. Your flesh, my flesh, likes bad things. 
But there are things that God likes, and we need to follow his desires. And as he leads us, we follow him. We walk where he wants us to walk. Uh, And we walk away from what he wants us to walk away from. Instead of allowing those lusts to drag us to temptation, as we talked about last week. And uh, we yield to the Spirit of God, His control. Go to uh, Ephesians, just over a couple pages. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse 18, a familiar verse. says, and be not drunk with wine... Wherein is excess. In other words, he was saying, don't allow alcohol to control you. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit to control you, whether it's alcohol or music or whatever it is. Don't let some other thing control you. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to control you and yield the control to him. Go back with me to Romans chapter 6. Because if we're not yielding to the Holy Spirit and the, and the new nature that's within us, what are we yielding to? We're yielding to the old nature, the corrupt nature, and we won't escape. So we're back there in Romans chapter number 6. We yield control to the Holy Spirit instead of yielding the control to our own desires. In Romans 6, verse number 13, Neither yield ye your members... As instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Okay? Your members, your, your body, your parts of your body. Don't yield those to sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then look in verse 16 with me. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants, ye are, to whom ye obey. So if you yield to the flesh, you'll sin. You yield to the Spirit of God, you'll do righteousness. You'll do the right things. So we have to make a choice. All right, so let's put it uh, in everyday understanding. Coming up, we know what we're supposed to do when we come up to a stop sign, right? We're supposed to stop both ways before we proceed. That's what we're supposed to do. There's another sign called a yield sign. You say, well, I don't have to stop. Not necessarily. Yield sign doesn't mean you have to stop. It means you might need to stop. But if you come to a yield sign with the, in the back of your mind that you will never stop at a yield sign, you're going to get in an accident. Because a yield sign means you have to, there's someone else coming And they have what they call is the right of way. If someone else is coming, you have to stop or or allow them to get ahead. You you can't just get there. I'm here first, so I'm going to pull out. Go ahead and pull out. Get in the accident. You'll get the ticket. Because you have to yield to them. You have to let them have the right of way. You have to slow down. Let them get ahead of you. And like a car yields to traffic... So we must yield to God. He should always have the right of way in our lives. I want to go here. The Lord wants to go here. And his will needs to precede my will. I must stop 
slow down, let him have his way, and not cut him off and go do my own thing. And same way with you. And so we, we've got to make this conscious decision. Who am I going to yield to? I can yield to sin and let it have its way, or I can yield to God and the Holy Spirit and let him have his way. Well, we know who we're supposed to yield to. We know what happens when we yield to the flesh. We talked about it last week. We also know what happens when we yield to God. We have his blessing. We're living in obedience. We get his peace. We get eternal rewards. All these things are really good. And you can live for now or you can live for the future. So, we see, yield to God's spirit. Thirdly, <clears throat> crucify the flesh. We'll go back to Galatians chapter number five. Now, that whole idea of crucify the flesh sounds simple, but it also sounds painful. We, we think of Christ's death on the cross. He was crucified. And we sometimes will we'll elaborate on it. We'll talk about, you know, they drove the spikes into his hands and into his feet and, and the spear into his side and the crown of thorns on his head. And we say, wow, that just, he went through a lot for us. And he did. You say, well, that sounds painful. It was. And God says in Galatians 5, 24, and they that are Christ's, that means if you're saved, have crucified the flesh with the what? Affections and lusts. So our flesh has these affections and lusts, these forbidden desires, these things that we want to do, that God's against. And God says a saved person has crucified and put to death those things. So why are we busy trying to revive those things? Why are we trying to breathe new life into this sinful, corrupt flesh? We need to put to death those wayward passions. I say, well, that sounds radical. It does. Because they're not helpful. Remember, we talked about... Um, and Peter, that these worldly lusts war against the soul. That war, word war is a, is, is a military term. It's doing battle against your soul. It wants to destroy you. So you and I have to have the same attitude toward those worldly lusts, those, those forbidden desires. We have to attack them with the same fervency that they attack us. Those lusts hate us. We must hate those lusts. Problem is, we've got this corrupt flesh that likes them. That's where the conflict comes in. So we've got to use spiritual weapons, God's word and prayer, and we've got to put to death those things that we know are against us. And that's difficult to do because our flesh likes them, but by faith we have to say, God says they're bad. Everybody else is telling us they're good. I mean, you can go to churches and they'll they'll. They will tell you that some things that the Bible says are bad, they'll promote them to you as good. They're not helping you, but they'll do that. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
So, so don't get this idea that, you know, the, you know, those seasoned Christians, those guys that get up there and preach that, you know, they never have the, the desires we have and they just want us to all be miserable. No. Every single person, every single saved, born again, regenerated member of this church has a sinful flesh and has lusts and passions and things that they want to do that are bad. But the good Christians don't do them. They crucify those affections and it hurts. But they do it because they want to please God. It doesn't make them super Christians. And they might get up and condemn them. You know, we have parents who will condemn them with their children because they've seen it, they've experienced it, they've been in the world or whatever. And they've seen the, where it will lead and they're trying to help their, their, their kids in their home, trying to help them escape from those corruptions. It's not that they're super Christians, it's just that they've got, a, they've got the same battle raging in them and they're, they, they've, they found that there's a victory and the victory is by crucifying the flesh through the, the spiritual weapons, the word of God, prayer, asking God to ha- for help and deliverance and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. And so if a soldier doesn't pick up his weapon, what kind of chance does he have against the enemy? None. And we don't pick up the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. We have no chance against these lusts that war against our soul. But too many times Christians don't want to fight. Sometimes we get tired of fighting. Sometimes um, we just don't want to fight because we want to yield. We want that lust. We don't want to die to it. We'd rather enjoy it. Some people say, well, I'll get back to fighting against it later. But right now, I just feel like yielding because I, I want to I yield. I just want to enjoy this. And I'll, I'll be against it later. Well, what kind of sense does that make? It's our enemy. It wants to destroy us. So we'll say, yes, you're my friend for a moment. No, it's going to kill us. It's going to slay us. It's going to hurt us. It's going to cause us pain. It's going to torture us. It's going to vex our righteous soul. And he would say, yes, but it'll make me feel good. Well, may as well just go home and, you know, get a couple knives and just, just start stabbing yourself. That'll make you feel good? No, it doesn't make you feel good. It's against our soul. All right, let me give you the next one. We're moving right along here. We should finish our, our lesson today. So uh, this, this third point here was crucify the flesh. Next, run from anything that appeals to your sinful passions. So we can look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 for this one. We need to run from anything that appeals to our sinful passions. So in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, it says, Flee also youthful, what? Lusts. Flee. What does flee mean? Run away. Get away from it. He says, but something else, he says, but follow faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So he's given us instructions here. We run away from these youthful lusts, but we run to the right things, 
to righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. Joseph, we all know the story. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. And uh, what did he do? He ran away. We, we have uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse 12. It says, and she caught him by his garment. Saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So she grabs him by the coat and says, hey, good looking man. And he's like, ah. <laughs> he, he quickly loosens that coat and, and just runs out of there. He got out of there. He could have said, well, she's the boss's wife. Well, she's got me. Well, what was I supposed to do? I was tempted. What are you supposed to do when you're tempted? Flee. Flee. Run away. Be scared. Because Joseph knew, he didn't even have all the verses that we had. He never even had last week's Sunday school lesson, did he? To realize that these worldly lusts war against the soul. He didn't have that. But he had God. He had some integrity. Why won't we run when tempted? I'll tell you why we don't run when we're tempted. We don't run from it. You don't put down the phone. You don't get away from that, that scene that's grabbing your attention or whatever it is. The reason we don't run from it is because we want to partake just a little bit first. I'm, you'll even rationalize it. I am going to get away from this. I am not going to look at this in much detail. I am not going to yield. I just want to look a little bit. I just want to partake a little bit. I just want a little bit of satisfaction from this. Then I'm going to get away from it. It doesn't work that way, does it? How often does it end with just a little bit? Well, I'm just going to do a little bit. I'm just going to do... And it doesn't end with a little bit. So not only, as I mentioned earlier, should we run from sin, but we must run to righteousness. You don't just run away from the bad thing. You've got to run to the good thing. Because if you're just running from the bad thing... Without running to what's right, you'll probably just run to another bad thing. Another worldly lust, fleshly lust. And leaves us prey to sin more. And uh, uh, another similar passage that Paul wrote to Timothy was 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 11. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. There's that idea again. Flee, get away, run from it, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. People say, well, what am I supposed to do if I can't do what I want? I can't sin. I can't you know, make myself feel good. Do what God wants. It's actually an exciting life. Doing what's right and being godly and having faith. Faith that pleases God, that's rewarded. He's a... He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Answers to prayer, love, 
giving love and, 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 and having love reciprocated. God's way is a whole lot better. All right, let's get to the next one. So we run from anything that appeals uh, to our sinful passion. Now, letter, if you have the outlines, letter E. But the next one, make no provision for the flesh. Now we go back to Romans chapter number 13. I want to just elaborate on this just a little bit. Romans chapter 13. So we make no provision for the flesh. You say, that sounds good, but what does that mean? We're going to be here in Romans chapter 13. We're going to read a few verses. I want you to look with me in verse number 11 to begin with. It says, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So there's some things we need to cast off. There's some things that we need to put on. He said, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, not following all these sinful passions, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the end game of making provision for the flesh is to fulfill the lust thereof. That's the, that's the end game. God doesn't want us to fulfill those lusts. So there's those things that we should put off, those works of darkness, those sinful, passionate desires, we need to put those off and we need to put on the armor of light. What does armor do? It protects. Protects us against the, the wiles of the devil, against these temptations. We put on the armor of light. Uh, why would we fail to protect ourselves? Knowing it's going to cause injury. And we must also, as the passage says, put on, verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So put him on. Allow him to have control of your life. Then he says, and make not provision for the flesh. So uh, Strong's Concordance defines the word provision here as forethought. Thinking ahead on something, saying, hmm, uh, it's also defined here by Strong's provident care or supply. Providence, provision. In other words, thinking ahead and saying, oh, I want to make some preparation just in case. Uh, the words providence and provision are kind of mentioned there in, the, in that definition of Strong's. It's interesting that providence and provision both have the same root word. So let's define the word provident. And that'll help us to understand this idea of make not provision for the flesh too. So in Webster's 1828 dictionary, so why don't you go, let's go back to that, that dictionary. This is a really good dictionary. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really the first major American dictionary that tried to solidify the, the English language 
and it was a lot closer, the words were a lot closer to what, uh, the definitions of those words were a lot closer to when the Bible was written than they are today. And so you can go there, you can get a really good definition of a lot of words that are in the Bible because it was, the English language is so similar back then. And Webster used tons of scripture in defining these verses. He had a working knowledge and it was more uh, biblically based than even how, how we think today. So he tries to put things in context. So that's why we go back to it. So anyway, Webster's 1828 dictionary defines provident this way. Foreseeing wants and making provision to supply them. Now, let me say that again as we... Uh, as you think through your mind and apply this to the lust of the flesh. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And in the definition again, foreseeing wants and making provision to supply them. So you say, it could be my flesh wants to do this again. So let me just make it convenient to have something in reserve so that when my flesh wants it, it's there. I'll just kind of set it aside right now. All right, so let's use, hopefully, no one in here is battling drinking. But if a guy's trying to give up drinking, and he says, you know what, I'm, I, I, need, to, I need to stop drinking. So I'm going to take that six-pack, and I'm going to put it in the back of the refrigerator so it's out of my sight. And it might be out of his sight, but what does he know is in the back of the refrigerator? The beer. Oh, why is it there? Well, I don't want it right there where I can see it because I'll be tempted. But why didn't he just go pour it all out? He was making provision for the flesh. He had some forethought and he was making provision to supply something to fulfill his lusts. You say, man, that music is bad. I'm not going li- to listen to it anymore. I'm just going to put it in a box and stick it in my garage. Why are you going to stick it in your garage? Those CDs. Because it might. Well, I spent a lot of money on those CDs. For those of you who still use them, right? <laughs> now it's so much more convenient, right? Well, I've got it on my app. Well, why wouldn't we delete the app? Well, because I've got my subscription that lasts in the repeats and whatever. And I want this, this, and this. The thing is, we're not really serious, are we? We're just not serious. People get convicted about, "Ah, I probably shouldn't wear that garment. That's probably not what would please God. Well, then what should you do with it if it's not pleasing to God? We'll just put it in the bottom drawer because there may come a day where, you're, where you don't feel like walking with God and you feel like putting that on. No. That's forethought. How, how diabolical is that? That's the opposite of putting on Jesus Christ. Putting on Jesus Christ is I want to be clean for him and righteous. And if something becomes between me and the Savior, I want to get rid of it. I want to flee it. I don't want to leave it around. I'm not going to make, I don't have some forethought setting it aside just in case for later. 
What about people who get tempted online? Why wouldn't they remove that app and have have their phones set up so that they can't install any apps like that again? And they have to go to their spouse or their parent or whatever, and they have to enter a code so an app can be added. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, just in case I want to get on it again. Right? When we leave ourselves an access to sin, it's only a matter of time before we return to it. And your flesh and my flesh is corrupt. We want to do bad. So, get radical and crucify the flesh and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof because that's the end game. Why are we making provision? So that at some day we can fulfill the lust thereof again. So what is it that God might want you to get rid of? Some article of clothing? Some music? Certain videos? Certain apps? Certain access to certain things? Could it be romance novels? I don't know what it is. Well, whatever it is, maybe it's time to stop making provision for them, not put them in a box, not put them in the bottom drawer, not put them in the garage, put them in the trash, and get rid of them. Then the last one is abstain from the flesh. Now, it's, again, pretty simple. And we just need to stay away. Abstain is just staying away from evil things that we desire. 1 Peter 2.11, we looked at this verse before. We'll look at it. Again, it may be a little another angle. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So last week we talk, talked about how those fleshly lusts war against our soul. This week I just want to make a comment. As we're supposed to abstain, this verse is teaching we should abstain. If you want to get over alcoholism, you don't go to the bar. So I'll just go to the bar and just get... Uh, you know, I'll just get a Coke. Yeah, you might the first time, but it won't be long before you're doing something more than that. If uh, someone likes looking at immodest pictures, um, maybe avoid the magazine rack. Maybe get off the Internet. You say, well, I have to be on the Internet. Maybe get off the Internet. People survived before. If you are so prone and you can't get victory, maybe you just have to abstain. <laughs> Novel, right? Uh, God would not tell us to abstain if it were not possible. Through his power, through his spirit, through his word, these precious promises that, that help us to uh, partake of the divine nature and escape the corruptions of the flesh. And God even gives us a reason why we should abstain. Because it wars against the soul. So forbidden lusts are not to be fulfilled. And when we indulge in those, we yield to that lie that we're going to feel good, but in the end, it, we will reap terribly. It, it always happens that way. 
and we've got a purpose to avoid and abstain from these flesh, and with God's help, we can overcome the pitfall of lust. Remember, it is a pitfall. The devil wants to get us trapped and ensnared, but we don't have to be in that pit. We can have victory. If you have that handout, I had a couple of uh, questions there for you to answer on your own. What has Satan used to trap you in lust? What are some things that you are tempted to do? It's good for us to really contemplate that. And then the other question is, what will you do to avoid his, Satan's, pitfalls? It means we have to do something. We've given some ideas. And you can put those practically down uh, to help you think through. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that although there are pitfalls out there, you've given us the light of your word to shine on our path, to make a clear way. You've given us a guide through the Holy Spirit to help guide us uh, away from danger. You've given us spiritual leaders that will help us do the same. And Lord, the devil wants us in this pit so that we are useless for you, that we're stuck and trapped. And some might feel trapped even now. I pray that you give them hope and help and a desire to get out. And with your help, Lord, you can, you can, you can get us all out. You can set us free. And when we're free, by your grace, help us determine not to go back to those lusts and get into those pits again. Pray that you bless the service that follows, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take a